So, Martha, you might can tell us a little bit about that video. I'd hope to interject that before, but that's all right. about the same time that I did, but they got started in that language group about 1981, and I started in about 1985. And uh, they are so glad. They just got back from a trip where they were out distributing the New Testaments. So now the people have them in their hands and looking forward to transformed lives through that word. And in a few years, Lord willing, uh, there will be an Apar dedication. You will see a video like this. Uh, we'll look forward to that. Yes. Yeah. Very yeah. much. Yeah, they they celebrate well. I can see that for several days. Yeah, that sounds like so that sounds like the Old Testament celebrations. You know, that's good. <laughs> yes, definitely. Well, a lot of y'all probably know Martha. Um, we I was in the ninth grade. I was thinking about this. I was in the ninth grade in 1980 when you came to the front of the church and we uh, commissioned you to go out. And as a ninth grader, you can imagine you're not thinking about someone going on the other side of the world. You're uh, no telling. I don't know what I was thinking in the ninth grade, but. <laughs> I, I do remember that, but I'm thinking, who knew that 40 years later we're going to be sitting here interviewing what your life's work has been? So those of you who may be new to Southwest, uh, we have been partnering with Martha since 1980. Like you said, in 1985, you actually were in New Guinea to start the translation there. Um, so, wow, this is, this is amazing. So we're honored to have you here this morning. So grateful that you would share a lot with us. Um, the, I know you. Ha, she has some pictures that are going to kind of be circling as we go, and we talked about this this week. As I said, we are multitaskers in our culture, so as she's talking, you can see some of the pictures, but we're going to go on with the interview. And so the first thing I'd like is you just to kind of to share with us this morning what God's been doing in Papua New Guinea as those pictures start flipping. Mm -hmm. the, the big thing now is we are, the New Testament has been done for a number of years, uh, we are trying to record it because they are not people that edit on paper. They edit by hearing it. And so we're trying to record the entire New Testament. Now, in educated parts of the world, they can get it done in six weeks, the whole New Testament. But I work in an area where an adult working hard all day long might get 10 to 20 sentences, as in four to five verses, done in a day. Um, one of the things that surprised me this last year was I tried it with a little kid, Walter. He's a sharp little kid, about 12, maybe 14. Looks very young. And I thought, he won't be able to do it, but he wanted to do it, so he tried. And he did it. Wow. And one day, he surprised me. He just kept going out there on the porch. He did 300 sentences in one day. Wow. So that's an amazing little kid, and the kids are all recording the Book of Luke, which they've studied in Bible study and Sunday school and everything else for years now. Wow. And uh, so it's a real joy to watch that happening. And uh, Lord willing, we'll get done, and then there'll be the dedication. Okay. You got a kind of a time frame maybe on that? Oh, I wish I did. Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing another two years of recording, okay. and then a, another year to get it off in print. Okay. So maybe three to four years. Right. Well, we'll be ready. We'll be yeah. ready for that celebration. I know you will. Well, um, the last few weeks, and, and, and I, I know uh, you get to listen to some of our services here. Mm -hmm. And so I told you Wednesday we got a chance to chat a little bit. And I told you we've been doing this series on the power of a question. Mm -hmm. And that Jesus um, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, asked over 300 questions. And I've done a couple of sermons on there. Last week we talked about the 
taking the speck out of your eye when you before you you know take the plank out of your eye before I remove the speck from yours. One of those questions Jesus said. So I can imagine in what you've been doing all these years, questions are very very important. So kind of kind of walk us through that and how important that is and how when someone comes to Christ um, in your culture, that's a that's a lifestyle change culturally. Definitely. Yeah. The, the early years, the one that always impressed me was Psalm. Okay. Psalm always had questions because he took the word seriously. And, you know, a lot of the stuff in the Gospels worked well for him. I mean, Jesus talked about giving, mm-hmm. about sharing, mm-hmm. and that was all part of the Papua New Guinea culture. Yeah. And, and Psalm said, you know, we share our food when a leader comes. We share our house. And we share our wives and our daughters with the visiting people because they're away <laughs> from their wives. Uh, and then he said, but Jesus told us to be selfish about our wives and our daughters. What's this? You know, so he couldn't understand. It took him a long time. And he, I don't know if he ever really grasped the difference. But for him, it was sort of like, you share your food. Why not you share your wife? Right. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that brings us a lot of questions, doesn't it? <laughs> but he understood that Jesus didn't want you to share, and so he said, okay, if Jesus said it, then we'll, we'll stop sharing. Right, well, all right. Well, um, how, about some, how about some other questions uh, along that? Because I know, again, for uh, along with Psalms questions, there's, there's other things that come up in culture where if I'm, I mean, even for us, if I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, then that means I have to, either stop doing this or start doing this. Mm-hmm. And culturally, that's a shift for them. So maybe some other questions that you've gotten. Some, one of the related ones, um, there were a lot of young people getting married about the time that I started working there in 1985, maybe 86. And those young people, um, the marriages aren't always their choice. It's arranged. Okay. And so one young lady she was just complaining up and down and all around about her husband. And um, because he wasn't a good hunter, he wasn't a good worker. And Sam was listening to this all because it was his uh, adopted son. And he was basically thinking, you know, if I weren't a Christian, what I would tell her is dump him and go get somebody that's worth marrying. (laughs) (laughs) But he says, Jesus said this thing about do not divorce. And so he said, I can't tell her that. I can't tell her to dump them and go get a better husband. And that couple is still together. They wow. still are struggling. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of children. Uh-huh. and um, But they're still, they come and go and they struggle in their faith, but they're still together. Wow, that's good. All these yeah. years later. Has he become a better hunter maybe since then? Uh, no, but his sons are. <laughs> it's, oh, well, that's right, okay. <laughs> his, his sons that are helps, doesn't it? Yes, yeah. it does. <laughs> that's great. Well, that's an interesting one. Maybe maybe another one? Um. One of the ones recently that was recounted, Seppa, he, in the upper culture, the maternal uncle is the value, the one that has authority, discipline over a son. And so he went to his maternal uncle when he was a teenager after he'd become a Christian. And his maternal uncle was not a Christian. His maternal uncle had power, but not Jesus' power. He had power from Satan. And he wanted to give Seppa the magic that would make him a good hunter. And Seppa refused to take it. And he said to his uncle, no, if I catch, kill pigs, it'll be by Jesus' power. It won't be by Satan's power. And so he refused to do that, what his uncle had said, which is a big deal in that culture. But he was recounting that in a sermon just a few months ago. 
And after the sermon, um, later that day, I heard somebody talking. They said, yeah, we were going to go call the shaman in to do this on this sick person. And we heard the sermon, and we said, oops, we'd better not do that. <laughs> and then I was the same thing. When I was coming down from church, I t saw a couple that had a baby that was sick, and I was just checking on the baby to see how the baby was doing. And the baby wasn't doing too great, so I was asking them, did, they, did you give the medicine correctly? And they said, yeah, yeah, we gave the medicine correctly. And I said, don't you dare go down and, and go to the shaman downriver and do magic stuff because that won't be good. Mm -hmm. And he said, and he'd been up there and heard the sermon. He looked down at the ground. And I said, you've already been there, haven't you? And he said, yes. Okay, we will pray. And I prayed, and we got more different kind of medicine for the kid, and the kid got fine. Wow. But, boy, that sermon hit hard yeah. because he'd already done what the guy was selling you God doesn't want us to do. Right. And I, and I can imagine that's a, that's a real cultural shift. Like if I could ask, um, you know, how, how did the uncle respond when he didn't take the magic? I mean, I mean, obviously things have still gone well after that. But, I mean, do you get ostracized and things like that? Yeah, you do sometimes mm -hmm. by breaking the cultural things. Mm -hmm. This Seppo, he's one that challenges me to grow in my faith because I've watched him grow in his faith. The cultural things with his uncle, it was time and time again. His uncle, I don't think he ever became a Christian. Mm. But his uncle later, a few years later after the magic thing, his uncle wanted to have his, Seppa's older brother and younger sister killed. Mm. Um, and he, it was his right to do that. Um, they had shamed the family by an incestuous relationship. And the way you get rid of shame in Papua New Guinea is you kill them. You know, if they're dead and gone, then there's no more no shame more in the shame. family. Yeah. You wow. don't have to deal with the black sheep. They're gone. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and so Seppa heard that, heard that's what his uncle wanted to do. And he said, no, Jesus said we're not supposed to murder. We're not supposed to kill people. And he said, I will live with the shame. You know, you're over in another village. You don't have to see it every day. I will live with the shame. And so wow. he chose not to be a part of that. He said no again to his uncle. And that they are still alive. They got married to different people. And uh, they are both still in those marriages. And neither one of them have been easy. But they're still together. They're Christians, but they come and go as far as in the strength of their faith. Wow. Yeah. But, it, you know, you think about the good news of hearing that the gospel takes away our shame and mm -hmm. our guilt and moves us forward. We are, you know, transformed into yes. a new person. So that's... Good to hear that, I mean, that happens. Yes, so. it does. It's hard for people to accept in Papua New Guinea. Mm -hmm. They still will try to do something to gain God's favor. But, you know, what I tell them is, hey, it's there. God has forgiven you. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, maybe another story. Recently, I know I read your newsletter, and you had a lot of neat things in there that yeah. kind of along with these questioning kind of things. Yeah. Um, I always have fun with Jeffrey. Mm -hmm. He's one of the translators, and I've known him since he was a little kid. Mm -hmm. And uh, just watching him grow in his faith, he gets excited about scripture. He studies it on his phone, since okay. he has the Bible on his phone in Apar. Right. And he'll come running up to the house many a time saying, this isn't right, or saying, wow, look at what this scripture says. And then one time he came back from a trip, and he said, and we were checking through a part of Corinthians, and he said, Oh, this is just like what happened to me. 
He said, I came back, and I was coming back from town, and I was so hungry. I was starving. And I hadn't eaten all day. And I got to this village, and they were having a feast. Nice pig and all this kind of stuff. But the feast was for paying back for killing somebody. And so he, he said, I really struggled with it. I was hungry. I mean, I knew that food was just food. And you pray to God and you bless it. The scripture says if you bless any food, it's good. You don't have to worry about what it's been offered to. But he said, I thought about the other people traveling with me. And they were not strong Christians. And he said, if I had eaten that, then they would have eaten it. And they would have had major problems in their faith. So he said, I was hungry. But I chose not to eat that delicious pig. Wow. No barbecue that day. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, he's really going, like he talked about in Corinthians, where Paul talks about, and and I think for us, we have a hard time grasping that because we don't, you know, we don't see that necessarily Mm -hmm. in that uh, as far as food goes. Um, But being able to, like you said, realize that that has effects not just for me, but maybe possibly being a stumbling block for my, for my mm-hmm. brothers. And wow, what a, what a strong faith to, and being so hungry like that. Like, what's it going to hurt? You know, a barbecue sandwich or whatever, you know what I mean? You know, um, so yeah, well, that's a great story. Um, um, anything else you can think of as far as stories recently that maybe a question has been? Because I know when you, you send your newsletters out, you always have a lot of great stories um, as far as uh, people asking hard questions um, about, about faith. The hard, some of the things that they struggle with, and one of the ladies, she has wanted to be baptized for a long time, Mm -hmm. and I'm hoping she'll be baptized in October, they were talking about it, but she struggles, it's sort of like she knows that things aren't right in her family, Mm. her boys are not good people, Mm. and she struggles, it's sort of like, how can I be baptized? How can God forgive me? And she said to me one time, she says, I've stopped doing all the stuff I used to do. And then she showed me her beel and her string bag. And she said, you know, even the magic thing I had in here, it's gone. (laughs) And, uh, you know, so I don't have any of that kind of stuff anymore. But can God forgive me? And, you know, I tell her, yes, God can forgive you. And I'm not sure she's chosen to believe yet. But she wants so badly that forgiveness Mm -hmm. and to know that God loves her. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if her family's messed up. It's it's whether or not she believes and trusts in Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, she she just keeps asking that same question over and over again. It breaks my heart. Sure. And I I would I would imagine um, and maybe you can share with us a little bit about there's a lot of manipulation and power in the evil um, religion or, or animism, I guess, maybe uh, maybe share with us a little bit about what some of the cultural things are there um, that people believe, because it, it does manipulate them, and like, like you're talking about, there's a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, and people are afraid to do something because of whatever the past. Well, I heard some interesting ones. This was in a neighboring village. It was Jeffrey's daughter is married to a guy over in this village, and they are a member's that church, they have an interesting church there. I'm not sure it's on the cult line because they advertise that Israel are white people. 
So yes, there's, it gets very interesting. Anyway, she was sick over there. So she was just really deathly sick. And they were trying to manipulate God, and she hadn't been immersed. And they said, well, we're going to take this sick lady, and we're going to go down and dunk her in the river, and then she'll get better. It doesn't matter whether she wants to be dunked or not, but wow. we're going to go dunk her. So they baptized her against her will. And wow. Sounds she like was, the Crusades or something. Huh? <laughs> something like that, because they figured if we dunk her, she'll get better. Right. And uh, she did get better, but she was talking to me about it. I said, what do you think about that? She said, I didn't, I wasn't even awake much. You know, they just threw me in and dunked right. me. And uh, so she has not made a confession of faith in Jesus. She right. knows about Jesus. She has been in Sunday school all her life, but now she's living with a very difficult husband because it's, they have brother-sister exchanges. Mm. And so she's in that kind of situation, and she has to make a decision to trust Jesus in that situation. But, yes, that's an example of manipulation. That same church group in another village, ended up worshiping a rock. Somebody important died, and they put a rock on the grave, and now I'm told that they go out and they pray to that rock mm. and ask for things and ask for cargo to come from that rock. Wow. So, yes, there are interesting things happening, trying to manipulate God, trying to manipulate spirits. Right. And, um, you know, they don't do it as blatantly, openly, of sacrifices out in their gardens, but it's there. It's right. just in more hidden ways. Yeah. Wow. Well, I was thinking um, if you could kind of share with us over the years, I'm sure there's been questions you've had, you know, like, um, God, you sent me here. But what what motivates you um, to know this is exactly where God has called me and what I'm supposed to be doing? One of the young ladies, her, uh, she's new, been married a couple years now, no children. Uh, but she never had the opportunity to learn to read. Mm. A year ago, she got a Genesis primer, one of the ones we had from a long time ago, and she started trying to learn to read. Her husband would laugh at her and not give much help, mm. uh, but she kept praying, and she kept praying. And then she said, I want to read for you. And I said, bring your primer. Let's hear what you can do. And she started reading. And she read the next page. And I just kept pushing her. She said, I haven't read this next page. Just try. And it was amazing to listen to her. She just kept reading and reading and reading. And the smile on her face just kept big, getting bigger and bigger and bigger because right. I'm reading. Wow. And I'm reading God's word. And then she said, can I record some of the Bible too? And she wow. did. Wow. And it was hard. It took her a week to get a short chapter done. But she recorded it. And to see the joy, and she's one of these gems, people that never hurts anybody, would never do anything negative to anybody. Right. But to see the big smile on her face, mm. to know that I am going to share God's word with anybody who listens to this recording. Mm. And she was just joyous. Wow. And it's those kind of smiles. Uh, it's when the light bulb turns on and they finally get it. That's mm. what makes me, it's, it's worth it all. Sure. And it, you know, it's worth sitting in a sitting in a boat being rained on for four hours straight, <laughs> drinking cold coffee and then using the coffee cup to bail water because the canoe is filling up with all the water <laughs> and getting there and being so drenched that you can't find your way out of the thing. But Jacob came along, grabbed me by the arm, guided me up the muddy river bank and got me to the house and, and the house was full of dead 
rat skeletons and every other thing that you could think of in a house that's been shut up for a couple of months. And, uh, yeah, you know, that could turn you off real quickly on it. But but the smile, the kids, when they finally can read a word, when they can finally write something and write an answer to a Bible question, to see them do that, that's just, I'm sorry, I'll forget the rover trips, I'll forget the hiking trips, but I won't forget the smiles. Thanks for sharing that. Can you maybe explain a little bit about how the recorders work? You know, this summer, um, a lot of y'all know this, our, our Vacation Bible School raised money so that you could get recorders and Bibles. So kind of tell us how that recording works. So there were pictures up there, and the kids on Wednesday are going to try doing some of the recording of okay. English. Good. And um, they, it, the screen, computer screen pops up one sentence. All they have to do is learn to use a mouse. They've never touched computers before, but they can learn to use a mouse, click on a button, record the sentence, play it back to hear it, clicking another button, and if it's okay, go to the next sentence. And they do that, and it, like I said, it's slow, but they get it done, and then I listen to it that evening. I mark all the sentences that are wrong, and normally there's about a 30 to 50% wrong error rate. Right. And then they go re-record them the next day, and we just keep going at it over right. and over again until we finally get it right. Gotcha. And then we take those recordings, put them together. Um, we have uh, a group of men from all the villages in the language group. They come together, and for a week, they'll sit and listen through a book or two books of the scriptures. And they will tell me, whoops, they said that word wrong, and it's a swear word. <laughs> they got to redo that sentence. <laughs> and then other times they'll say, whoops. We don't use that dialect word anymore. We've changed. We're all saying the other dialect term. You've got to re-record all the sentences that you've recorded that have the word chima instead of lua. Mm. There are a lot of sentences like that. But but it's good because it's their Bible and their language. And if their language has changed, we need to do it in the way that they can understand it best. And I'm sure they appreciate the fact that they have a part of that all of them. It makes it very much more personal. Yeah, that's great. Well, I know you had some some slides you wanted to show us. Can we? Are we going to have those in just a minute? Oh, there they are. So they've been have they been going on that side the whole time? Okay, sorry, I I got my back turned. Okay, well, good. Did you want to share anything about those slides in particular? No, I think no. people have been able to see some of the some of the things that are going on there. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, one of the things um, I wanted to read is um, this is a quote from a missionary years ago, and um, just listening to you talk and knowing, um, y'all, I don't think I don't think Martha understands how highly we really respect her. You know, I mean, I think you, you're just such a humble person, and we um, appreciate what you do so much, but thinking about being in a canoe and bailing it out with a coffee cup, <laughs> getting rained on, you know, um, I just, you know, how many of us would do that for the gospel, you know, so... Thank you for being who God's called you to be, number one. But there's a, a, um, a quote uh, that uh, a, a young missionary said many years ago. I'm sure you've heard it before, but I wanted y'all to hear it because it, it makes me think of you. Uh, Jim Elliott, who y'all know was killed very young trying to get the message. Um, he says, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. I'm going to read that again. 
He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. And when you were talking about the feeling that you get when you see the light bulb come on and someone reading God's word for the first time in their own language, that's something that no one can ever take away from you. And you think about, you know, you know, I, I joked with her. I said, did you ever, did you ever think about maybe I should have just stayed in the United States and, and, and teach at a university or something? I, I bet you can't imagine that, you know. I mean, I think about... Uh, some of the things that we do in our lives, a lot of neat folks out here have done a lot of great things, but compared to helping someone get a language for the first time and get God's word, that's just absolutely amazing. So we're so grateful to you in following God's call. Um, I know you've got some things out in the lobby if you'd like to share with the folks what you have out there and how they can be supportive of you. There's uh, necklaces out there and you can take and just pray. Um, History and, and lots of translators have felt it. In the last years of finishing up a Bible, Satan doesn't like Bibles and doesn't like people to have Bibles. So all sorts of things happen in those last few years we're trying to finish up. So if you can pray, just take one of those necklaces and anytime you see it, just pray. Pray for the completion of the part, New Testament, Bible. And pray more than anything else that the scripture will be used and that um, it will transform their lives and their culture and, and the lives and the culture of their children and their grandchildren. Yeah. Um, those, those necklaces, I'm assuming, are made by locals there? Uh, they're made by people in Medang where they have the seashells. Uh, okay. So it's people that are around the Medang area where the PBT office is. Okay, all right. But they're authentic Oh, New yeah. Guinean necklaces, yeah, that's yes. neat. And then you've also got some, I think, some money out there as well. Yes, uh, that money is not worth anything as far as in any government size, uh, but it's, a, again, something you can look at and you can pray. Uh, some of them are from some of the other countries that I've traveled to in my consulting, um, and some of the translation projects there, you'll never even see me mention the name of the country because we're not supposed to mention the name of the country. But if you hold a piece of money from that country, pray for the translations there. Some of the projects there are just as tough. And they're for bigger language groups. I mean, the Apar language group is still a very small language group, less than 1,000 people. Wow. But some of the groups I've checked for, um, they're like 250,000 people. Yeah. And they don't have a lot of people like, you all have prayed me through this. I mean, without your prayers, I wouldn't be here today. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they don't have people praying for a lot of the projects in some of these countries that are sort of the hidden ones. Yeah. And we need to pray for them and pray that they can have God's word in their own language. Yeah. Well, is there um, anything um, specifically, how long are you going to be in the States? I'm, I'm going to be in the States until January. Um, I'll be traveling. I've got several trips, speaking trips, but they're basically trips to see family and brother, my brother and cousin and speak at the churches in their area. So I've got a couple trips, but uh, the rest of the time, whenever I'm here in Atlanta, I'll be here. Well, good. We look forward to that. And and I know this Wednesday night, you're going to be with our kids back in our kids' ministry, and she's going to be sharing with them and let them try the recorder. So that's going to be a thrill for them. They're very excited, and we appreciate you doing that. Well, we're glad you're here. And again, thank you for all that you do. And before we leave today, we want you to stand right there in the middle, and we want to, as many of us can kind of gather and put a hand on you and pray for you in, in your ministry, if we could do that right now. So thank you. So I'm going to ask her to just stand right here in the middle where that gold box is. And those of y'all who can put a hand on Martha...
uh, put a hand or put a hand on somebody that's got a hand on Martha. And y'all just heard her say what? That prayer is very important in, in what she's doing and those that are around her. Um, so let's let's do that this morning. I'm going to have a word of prayer and y'all can pray. I'm going to have a little time of silence where y'all can pray for her and, and the work that she does there in that unit. Father, that Martha is your servant is uh, is so true. Um, we think of 40 years um, of, of leaving what you know and that's familiar to you and going to what is not. But now it's probably almost the reverse for her. What is familiar is teaching people to hear their language and to hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ that frees us uh, from sin, from guilt, from shame, and, and all of that. And Father, not only has she been a translator for those folks, she's been one of them. I know she's been a doctor to them. She's been a counselor to them. She's been a pastor to them. All these things over the years, and they know without a shadow of a doubt that she loves them and she has come in the name of you to give them the, the word, the gospel message that they are loved, that they are valued, that you have a purpose and a plan for them. So, Father, we thank you so much for what she's done. But, Father, you hear about as young kids are helping her with the translation and recording. We pray that that will continue, that their enthusiasm and excitement for doing that will continue, Father, and that they will hear the word clearly. And we thank you for Psalm and Jeffrey and others, Seppa, that she mentioned that are asking hard questions as they... Um, become followers of you and recognize that it calls us to take up our cross daily. And those things are hard sometimes with family, with friends, with culture. So, Father, we thank you for the work that she's doing, that the difference she's making. And we thank you that um, you're going to continue to work. But, Father, we pray that you would bind Satan from trying to destroy people's um, view of God, that you would bind Satan from trying to confuse them but and, and, and bind Satan from... Uh, allowing people to be confused about who you really are and that you're their Savior. So we pray that you'll continue to bless her. Help her to have a great time while she's here traveling. Help her with our kids Wednesday night. I know they're excited, but we just pray that you will continue to bless her and, and see the fruit of her labor and many, many others that do the translation and mission work to allow people to know the good news of Jesus Christ. And we 